You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by Alex Trader and Andrew Hutchinson of HogBeat.com. Guys, we're going to talk some football today. We're not going to talk basketball because there's not really much to talk about, but then we're going to be able to talk some baseball as well. But uh, let's lead off with some football. Let's uh, let's lead off with the Malachi Singleton commitment because Arkansas needed a quarterback in the 2023 class, and that's exactly what they got. So uh, Alex and I were talking about this before we recorded, but he's a low three-star. Maybe, Hutch, you can explain this to us because I'm sure you've inquired. Um, why is it that he's a low three-star? Because on his tape, I mean, he looks really good. Yes, I have inquired, and I have uh, voiced my opinions uh, basically, I was told that we haven't seen him in person. And by we, I mean rivals um, have not seen him in person. He has not shown anything is what I was told, uh, which, which my rebuttal to that was this guy completed 75% of his passes, threw for a bunch of yards, ran for a bunch of yards, put up insane numbers in the largest classification in Georgia that produces tons and tons of college players so he's playing good competition, uh, then they, that, that's, that's why. And so I, I don't know. I, honestly, I feel like it's an oversight, if, if I'm being a completely honest. I feel like he got his initial rating before uh, his junior year, which he had, a, he had a, a decent sophomore year. He got his rating following his sophomore year. And then whenever the last time we updated our rankings, I think people just – forgot to go back and be like, oh, wait, we need to look at this guy. I mean, he's a 5.5 three-star, so there's a lot of them, especially in Georgia. So whoever's in charge of that area has a ton of players they're having to look over. And I just think he just kind of fell through the cracks. And I, I fully anticipate him getting bumped up uh, whenever they do the rankings update, uh, late May, early June, somewhere around there. Alex, you did a film breakdown over at hogbeat.com of Malachi Singleton. So tell us what you saw and uh, kind of just what you think he brings to the Hogs. Yeah, kind of like what uh, I heard Hutch say on the radio the other day. I mean, this kid seems to be the real deal. I can't really understand. Like, like you said, there was probably an oversight somewhere. But for him to be a 5.5 three-star, um, that's a huge steal for Arkansas. And it doesn't necessarily show up on the class rankings yet because – that doesn't help as much as, you know, bringing on a four star or, or even a 5.7, three star would, but you're able to see the talent just watching his film. He, he can outrun entire defenses. His, his deep fade is incredible. I, I mentioned it a ton of times on that film breakdown, but he dropped it exactly where it needs to be every single time. Um, he runs over people. He, he runs tough is able to extend plays, has that arm strength, but also has a quick release and has a pretty decent pocket presence of knowing when he needs to get that ball out, um, good release point. So really just an impressive, impressive junior season film. Um, I think it's huge for Arkansas, especially given the fact that, you know, it, the next guy up is presumably Malik Hornsby, but every single Every season, every time we think about KJ getting hurt, there's a huge, huge question of, oh, no, what are what is this team going to do? 
um, it, if it doesn't have KJ in. And I think, you know, there's still time for Malik to develop in there, but bringing in another guy who's able to, you know, especially after not being able to bring in a, a high school quarterback in 2022, a guy like Singleton should be a, a huge sigh of relief for Kendall Bryles in that they they feel like they got their guy. And watching the film, you really can't argue too much with that. Here's a question for you, Alex. I'm going to have you put on your analyst hat. What would you give him if you were rating him on the, the rival system? Uh, I mean, I've done a couple of quarterbacks for these film breakdowns. Um, he's probably the best that I've seen uh, in terms of guys that I've rated just off the top of my head. Um, I would have him at least a 5.8 four-star um, and, and probably sneaking right in. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to be in, in the top 150, but I would probably have him somewhere in, in the country's 250 best players because of, like like you said, he's putting up massive numbers in the highest classification in a big-time football state that's known for producing these guys. I mean, um, he, he trains with, with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence's quarterback coach, both of those guys ripped up the top division in Georgia, and both of those guys are two of two of the highest rated recruits ever by by the consensus of all the services. So if you're seeing that and basing it off of that, I think it's hard not to say that he's one of the 250 best players in the country. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you go, Alex Trader. You should be giving out ratings for recruits now. That would be a good job for you. Um, but, okay, so – Let's move on, though, because we got a lot to hit with football, actually a lot more than we expected. So Arkansas did have a couple guys hit the portal. Um, Hutch, tell us what you know about that. And, I mean, is it really going to affect Arkansas? Yeah, so two guys entered the portal. One of them was not really surprising because we haven't really seen him. He's been here for two years, and that's Keelan Burrell, the linebacker. I believe he's from the New Orleans area, I want to say. I'll have to double-check on that, but he was a – a, a, a 5.73 star, so a solid pickup uh, generally viewed as. Um, he was originally committed to UTSA, so that might have been a little bit of a red flag. Like, okay, why is, why is a guy that is rated relatively high going to UTSA, especially when he had offers from multiple SEC programs? I think, you know, I want to say LSU and Alabama maybe even had offered. Uh, but that, I think that was really early in the process, and maybe they weren't uh, committable offers. Um, but he, he's a guy that came in and just – he got hurt last year, I want to say. He's battled some injuries throughout his career, and he was here for two years and never saw the field. So not surprising to see him pop up in the portal. The other one was a little bit of a, a head-scratcher just because it was Dorian Gerald, and he's a guy we thought was, was done playing football. You know, if you remember, uh, he broke his leg in practice the week after the first game of the season, uh, ended his season – and the general thought was that he was done playing football, um, that it was going to be a career-ending injury. Uh, but I guess he was able to apply for a medical redshirt, or at least he's anticipating getting that. And that's why he's entering the portal to go somewhere else. But, you know, he was here at Arkansas for four years. Three times he had an injury either in the opening game or the week of practice following the opening game. So he might be the unluckiest player I've ever covered in my 10 years on the beat. Uh, just from an injury standpoint uh, he he flashed some potential here and there and he was a big time commitment in uh, Chad Morris's first class that tells you how long ago that was in 2018 uh, got him over A&M and some other programs uh, Juco guy so he's been in college for six years he will be playing a seventh year of college football in 2022 somewhere assuming he gets picked up 
and uh, he was already a guy that looked like it. He, he, he's one of those players where you look at him, he looks about 10 years older than he is. Uh, people like to joke on our message board that he's got, you know, a wife and three kids and a mortgage to pay. Um, but, you know, he, he's, a, he's a guy, to me personally, he seems like a great kid, and I hope he's able to stay healthy and have a big year wherever that is. I'm, I'm not sure what level he'll end up at, but I, I think he's capable of having a productive year, assuming he can stay healthy. And so on top of that, Arkansas also lost a commitment from Anthony Evans, wide receiver from Texas. Um, I read it, and it said that he's still considering Arkansas, but normally when you decommit, that kind of means that you're looking elsewhere, right? Well, I mean, a couple of years ago, Landon Rogers uh, from Little Rock Parkview committed, decommitted, and then ended up recommitting to Arkansas. But that is kind of rare. Usually, once you decommit, you're you're going to be replaced. I mean, I think that's what Sam Pittman will say. I mean, unless you're like just some big time hot shot recruit that they can't be without. Uh, I I get the feeling that that Sam Pittman would maybe move on, but maybe they they really like this guy. I mean, they they took his commitment. Uh, Alex will remember he committed on Thanksgiving, which is always fun to have a holiday commitment. Um, but he, he, I think he's like a 5.6 three-star, so kind of like a middle-of-the-pack three-star. But he's a guy I would not be surprised if he gets bumped up. Like I, I fully expected even before he decommitted uh, to a higher rating, at least a 5.7, if not a four-star status, because this guy is fast. He ran, recently ran, I think, a 10-2-7 100-meter dash. Um, and so he, he's got the speed and plus he's taken off on the recruiting trail. I mean, he got an offer from Georgia, Oklahoma, a bunch of other schools as well. Uh, and of course that's what makes it so disappointing for Arkansas fans is like, man, I thought we were past this. You know, we, we just won nine games and top 25 team. And yet here we are, you know, we find a commitment early. We get him committed. He seems to be kind of like a diamond in the rough kind of guy. And then all these big time schools come in and boom, he decides, eh, maybe I don't want to go to Arkansas. I've got Georgia looking at me. And of course, he's also got a family connection in Georgia. I guess his mom is originally from Georgia and grew up a Bulldogs fan. So if, if you can't get mama on your side, then it's going to be tough to get a guy like that. So it, it was not surprising to see him decommit when he did. So, Alex, that leaves Arkansas with no receiver commits in the 2023 class. Is that something that you're worried about, or do you think that they'll figure that out? I mean, they got time. Yeah, they do have time. Um, you want to ideally be bringing in a couple of guys that you can see as star receivers every year, and, and that's not necessarily meaning by their ranking, but you want guys who are going to be able to fit into your offense and, and help out and be able to contribute at least after that, that first or second season. And I think last year in 2022, we saw a really, really talented wide receiver class come in, um, which does give you a little bit of leeway, I think, for 2023. But you do want to keep that momentum up. Uh, I know someone had asked on the board the other day, um, and with finals week approaching and all that, I haven't had the chance to dig too, too much into it yet. But I do think this is a relatively deep class of receivers based on what I've seen and based on Arkansas's offers. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see, you know, who the next guy is for Kenny Guyton. You, you bring in a guy very early into the class and, and you kind of think you're set there, especially, you know, with, with committing – not too, too long after he offered committing on a holiday. Um, you feel like you might be sure about the, that decision. I do think it, it lends credence to them being able to pick that guy up because 
when Arkansas had, had offered and when he committed, he didn't have the Georgias and the Oklahomas um, and all those big dogs entering uh, entering the race and offering. So I think the talent evaluation is there, even when maybe you know, not everyone else can see it. Um, I, I just think it's a matter of finding a couple of guys who you like, who you think are a good fit and can complement your offense and complement your new quarterback and be able to, to build that momentum and, and get guys to, to want to join this class. Okay. Um, last thing before we get to some draft stuff, uh, Hutch Jackson Woodard put on scholarship. You said that you couldn't confirm that, but we're hearing news that that happened. How does that shake up the the scholarship count? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I had heard from a source last night that that had happened. Um, plus uh, Jackson Woodard has since retweeted somebody that congratulated him for being put on scholarship. So that, to me, that seems like it's confirmed. I just haven't been able to confirm it with the U of A. Um, but it is another scholarship filled. Uh, the loss of uh, Keelan Burrell that we talked about earlier, I think bumped them down to 80 scholarships. Uh, you know that they're wanting to bring in three more uh, transfer portal guys, ideally a wide receiver and a couple of defensive linemen uh, per Sam Pittman. That would put you at 83, and that still is two more spots to fill. You can't bring in other transfers uh, because of current limitations, although I did see this week, I think Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated is reporting that uh, could be some changes in that front where they relate that they eliminate the, the cap, the annual cap, or at least increase it or adjust it somehow, uh, which I think would be really, really smart. Hopefully that happens. Maybe with Mark Emmert not in control, it'll happen. Um, but as it stands right now, you can't bring in other transfers. So you have to fill those two spots with guys that are already on your roster walk-ons that have been here for at least a year. And Jackson Woodard fits that profile. He's been here a couple of years. He's a guy that actually saw the field as a true freshman walk-on and actually on the field on defense, not just special teams. It was only a handful of reps, but he got on the field in meaningful snaps. Uh, he got on the field a couple of times last year. Uh, obviously we, you know, we know about the three-man rotation with Grant Morgan, Bumper Pool, and Hayden Henry. Uh, but he was able to get on the field a couple of times, a special teams contributor. And uh, looks like this year he might be a guy that could get on the field a little bit as well. Um, and so to, to, for him to be put on scholarship was not surprising in the least. I, I fully expected it, honestly. I just didn't know when it would happen. And so that gets you up to 84. And then there's one more spot left. Uh, who they fill it with? I mean, a guy that comes to mind is Nathan Bax, the tight ends. Uh, originally transferred in from Illinois State. He's been here for a few years and has actually played a little bit and seems to be uh, competing with Hudson Henry for that number two tight end spot behind Trey Knox. Uh, when you're competing for a spot in the two deep, you deserve to be on scholarship, in my opinion. And uh, it would not surprise me if he gets put on. Um, and, of course, if anybody else transfers out, which is totally possible, especially here in the next couple of days before that May 1st deadline hits to – you know, get immediate eligibility at the, your new school, uh, then you have to fill it with walk-ons. And so uh, the, that's the first guy that just immediately comes to mind, but I'm sure there's a couple others that might, they might be looking at as, as potential uh, scholarship guys uh, as, we, as we go through, you know, maybe uh, oh, another one, Harper Cole at wide receiver. Uh, that guy made a ton of plays throughout spring ball. I don't know if he's going to contribute much on the field in games. That's kind of the tricky part. Uh, but he was certainly getting reps with the second and even first team offense uh, throughout the spring. So something else to keep an eye on as, as we go through 
uh, the rest of the offseason before we get into fall camp. All right, uh, let's get to some NFL draft stuff here. So we're recording this on Thursday. By the time you listen to this, Traylon Burks will have been drafted unless for some reason he falls to the second round. <clears throat> Guys, let's let's play this game. Where do you think Traylon Burks is going to get drafted? We're going to say it so we can sound like idiots on Friday. Uh, Alex, I'll let you go first. What is your prediction? Oof. Um, I mean, there's a handful of teams that have been rumored to have wanted him. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams in that wide receiver market. I know I, I got to pick one here. Um, I'm going to say he sticks around the area. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are, are in dire need of a receiver after losing Amari Cooper to the Browns. You've had some injury-plagued guys with, with uh, Michael Gallup down there. I think they're going to take him. They need a receiver, um, judging by who's off the board, by the time that they're able to, to get on the clock. Um, I, I feel like he's a guy that fits their scheme pretty well, is able to go up and get the ball and, and also be a deep threat. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Cowboys. You know, right. everyone talks about Arkansas players and Dallas Cowboys because of Jerry Jones. And, like, they're like, oh, it's maybe he'll go play for the Cowboys. And really – Felix Jones is the only one I think that's been drafted by the Cowboys since uh, Jerry Jones took over. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And there haven't been too many others that have played there. I mean, they did pick up Darren McFadden late in his career. I think Clint Sterner signed there as an undrafted free agent and actually played a little bit. But other than that, there haven't been very many. And so I'm thinking, oh, you know, if I had to pick one, I'm going to say Green Bay. And part of that is just because I hope he ends up there, not because I'm a Packers fan. I actually consider myself a Cowboys fan. I would love for him to end up in Dallas. But I just think Green Bay would be a good situation for him. Knowing Traylon Burks, I mean, that's kind of a – there are no small towns in the NFL, but Green Bay is probably the the thing that feels the closest to a small town. And, I mean, this is a guy from Warren, Arkansas, who played in Fayetteville, Arkansas in college. He's not a big time, like he's not going to want to go out to the club and, you know, do stuff like that. He just wants to go hunting and fishing and stuff like that. And I think Green Bay would fit his personality. Plus, he got Aaron Rodgers thrown on the ball. I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to play, but I think that would be a really good situation. I want him to go somewhere with an established quarterback, an Aaron Rodgers, a Dak Prescott, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, something like that, because that will help him develop because if he ends up going somewhere like the new york jets or somewhere like that that this never has a quarterback you could have another darren mcfadden situation where he ends up in oakland and is just never hurt me heard from again obviously had injuries throughout his career but playing in oakland did not help uh so i'm gonna say green bay partially because i hope that's where he ends up because i think it's going to be the best situation for him I, so I I'm afraid that Green Bay might be the the most realistic option, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, for two reasons. One, because obviously that's where I want them to go, and two, because the way I look at it is the Chiefs needed a wide receiver after Tyreek Hill left. Now they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but you can't tell me that those are the two guys that they decided. Hey, we're gonna bring these guys in and we're going to replace Tyreek Hill. That's not – I mean, Tyreek Hill's a top three wide receiver in the NFL, and those two guys don't combine to reach that, in my opinion. And then you look at it, they haven't gone after some of the higher-profile guys like Debo Samuel. He's been out there as a guy that could be traded. 
they haven't been very uh, aggressive in getting another wide receiver. So it leads me to believe they might be drafting a wide receiver and who better to draft than Traylon Burks. Now I I'm afraid he might not fall that far. They might have to trade up to get him, but I'm going to say he goes to the Kansas city chiefs. I hope that happens. All right. Um, anything? Oh, uh, we did. We do need to talk about the other guys who might get drafted. Hutch, you said you think that John Ridgeway is the only one that only other hog um, that might get drafted this year. I think he's the only other lock to get drafted for sure. Um, he's a guy that I think could go in the top three rounds. He can maybe be a guy that goes on on Friday. Um, he could slip to the fourth or fifth round, but I just think that he's going to get drafted, uh, and that would give Arkansas. And here's a crazy stat. Uh, four straight years with a defensive tackle taken in the NFL draft. The only other teams that have had a, t- a defensive tackle taken in the last three years, Texas A&M and Ohio State. Uh, so it's kind of crazy to think about because you don't think of defensive linemen when you think of Arkansas, especially since they've had so many struggles in that position. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy that should get drafted. Will Myron Cunningham, uh, Monteric Brown, Trey Williams, will those get, guys get drafted? I think they all have the potential to, uh, but I, I've seen them mocked in a couple of seven-round mocks, and, and they've been in like the, the 250 to 300 range and prospect rankings, and there's only 262 picks. So it, it, could, be, it could be only those two. It could just be Burks and Ridgeway, uh, but it would not surprise me if any of those three get drafted um then you, know, you got some other guys that'll probably be you know priority free agents like I, I i think grant morgan will be a free agent that that signs somewhere uh jordan silver the long snapper i've seen him i think he's like the third or fourth best long snapper available in the draft unfortunately you only get one maybe two drafted uh so he's not going to get his name called but i think he's going to get a shot uh, in the nfl somewhere so lots to follow both you know friday saturday and then even you know, after the draft on Saturday and into Sunday and Monday uh, as guys get, uh, get picked up as, you know, priority free agents. Alex, do you have anything to add to that? Maybe a guy that Hutch said wouldn't get drafted that you think will get drafted? Uh, uh, it's hard. Like, like you said, I think the only lock, the only other lock is John Ridgeway uh, to go to Traylon Burks. Um, Monterey Brown put together a really, really solid uh, last season in Fayetteville. And corners are at a premium, and it's about momentum a lot of times, too. Um, you've heard about a couple of guys early on in the draft, but but I don't think this is as deep of a corner class as, you know, we've seen in years past. You don't have you don't have those 10 to 15 guys where it's like, oh, this kid was a stud in college. This kid was locked down. Um, Monteric Brown was pretty, pretty solid in his last season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a team that late rounds – didn't necessarily get their guy earlier on at that cornerback position. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they bring him in as a DB and try to fit him into a scheme. But beyond that, I, I do think it's it, – there are a lot of guys who I think could could have a chance in the NFL, like Hutch said. But I, I, I'm not sure that, that more than those two are going to have their name called. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this segment. And then uh, up next, Hutch and I, we're going to talk some Razorback baseball. Ole Miss coming to town this weekend. So we're going to hit that and then uh, finish things up here on the Hog Beat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. 
We're back here on the Hog Beat Hour, just Andrew Hutchinson and myself, Mason Choate, talking Arkansas baseball. Hutch, before we get started, you want to just give them the the business the business spiel of uh, what's going on at hogbeat.com and how they can subscribe? Yeah, if you head on over to hogbeat.com, you can always sign up. Uh, pretty, pretty good deal if you ask me, $10 a month or $100 a year. Uh, unless you are a student. If you are a student listening to this, whether you're at the U of A, another school in Arkansas, another school anywhere else, honestly, and you have a .edu email address, uh, email me at andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com and I'll hook you up with your first year of Hogbeat for I think 12 bucks, I think is what it is. So a uh, pretty good deal. Uh, so just hit me up if, if you're a student and you want to take advantage of that deal. And I, I promise you it's, it's worth it. Uh, the trough is a, an excellent uh, kind of group of fans who like to discuss things, debate things. And uh, I think it's a pretty good community. So uh, check it out at hogbeat.com. Yeah. So speaking of the trough, there was a, there was a, a thread going on where somebody basically asked like, just what do you think about this team right now? Hutch? What are, what are your thoughts? Where do you gauge this team and where they're at right now? They're sitting at a 32 and nine record um, 12 and six in conference play. They just came off of a 10 inning game against UCA where it took a wild pitch in the 10th inning to get Robert Moore across home and give Arkansas the win. So what do you think of this team right now? I know there's a lot of talk, a, a lot of hate going on on Twitter, uh, back and forth. Just is this team good at hitting? Is Are they in a slump? Is it just baseball? You, you're a baseball guy. What are your thoughts? I think this is a good team, a very good team, actually. I think it's a team worthy of hosting at least a regional. Uh, and if they can just take care of business, you know, down the stretch of these last four series, uh, they should host a, a super regional should they get that far, you know, earn a top eight seed. I don't know if it's quite time to hit the panic button, but there is some concern that this team struggles, you know, maybe not just, you know, offensively, because I think the numbers on this year's team are very similar to last year's team. Granted, it's not been as difficult of a schedule as last year, um, but they just haven't gotten the hits in the big spots. You know, last year, I, I think I've, I think this sums it up last year you were surprised if they didn't get the big hit to pull out a win. You know, the, the two to one loss to Auburn really comes to mind last year as a game like that. Uh, the NC state super regional, I hate to bring that up, but that, that comes to mind this year's team. If they do get the big hit, it's almost surprising because they just have come up short so many times or come up empty so many times. It's hard to say that I guess about a team that's only lost nine times, but you think back to the Texas A&M series, uh, both of the games they lost last weekend were by one run, and you had the not only the tying, but the go-ahead run in scoring position with no outs in the seventh inning or later, and you weren't able to get it done. That's just – it's incredibly disappointing to have those opportunities and to come up short so many times. Uh, the runners in scoring position batting average this year is way down from last year, uh, so the numbers back up that point. Uh, can they get it going? I think I still haven't given up hope. As I said, like it's not time to completely hit the panic button because it's a really talented team, really good offensive, uh, you know, bats, you know, historically speaking, you know, Peyton Stovall doesn't have a college history, but he was considered a first round talent and he hasn't lived up to that. Robert Moore was a preseason all American first round talent and he hasn't hit the ball this year. Uh, just, 
several things haven't come together. And, and Dave Van Horn mentioned it in his preview of the Ole Miss series that, you know, they'll have five guys hit the ball really well over the weekend, but the other four are terrible, basically. Uh, if you can get all nine of them living up to their potential on the same weekends, then I think Arkansas could beat just about anybody and make a deep run. Will they do that? That remains the, you know, the number one question. Well, let's uh, let's flip the switch and talk about the pitching because if you look at the Texas A&M series, the Sunday loss, I think that that could be – I think you can blame pitching on that one. Jackson Wiggins gives up five earned runs in the first inning. That automatically puts you down 5-0, and then eventually they got down 7-0. We know that Arkansas brought it back. It was an 11-10 loss, but if you don't get down by five runs in the first inning, then you're not worried about it. So I, I think we've seen that – at home, you're confident in what you get from Hagen Smith and Jackson Wiggins and Connor Nolan. But on the road, it's been a little bit more shaky. Why do you think that is? And uh, do you think that Arkansas just has to hope and pray that they host a regional and a super regional? Because if, as you mentioned, there's a chance that they don't host a super, then they might be in trouble having to have these guys pitch on the road. Yeah, I mean, Connor Nolan has been consistent regardless of where he pitches. He's been incredibly consistent all year, and I think has been a first-team All-SEC caliber pitcher. Um, the other two, they have been exactly what you just described. They have been night and day different at home versus on the road. Could just be a young, inexperienced kind of deal. You know, Hagan Smith, true freshman, Jackson Wiggins as a sophomore who didn't have a ton of innings last year, so he's still young and inconsistent. Um, I think that's that maybe has something to do with it. But again, I, I wouldn't say it's super concerning because you think back to the 2018 team, that team was unbeatable at home. I think they went 14 and one in SEC play at home, and then they didn't win a single road series. They would always win the first game of the series and then lose the next two with, you know, Blade, they'd win with Blaine Knight on the mound and then lose. Uh, it's, it's starting to feel similar to that this year. Uh, I don't think the competition has been quite as good. It just seems like the SEC is a little bit down this year, uh, but you're still better than the rest of the league, it seems like, you know, say for maybe Tennessee. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think that I, I'm anxious to see how they do, you know, in these road series that are left against Auburn and Alabama, uh, see how they do in the SEC tournament, even though the SEC tournament, as I think we can all agree, is, is kind of meaningless. Um, but you would like to see those guys pitch well just to prove they can do it in a big spot away from home. Uh, but again, if, if you can, if you can just hold, you do decent down the stretch and clinch a top eight seed, you don't have to worry about it. You can always play at home until you get to Omaha. And then at that point, you know, who knows what happens. So the way I look at it is that your starting pitching is something that you can trust, especially at home, like you just talked about, but you look at the bullpen and you're, you're getting things from a lot of guys now. And you talk about Evan Taylor. He's a guy we had. We had him on the Diamond Hawks podcast this week. You can go listen to that on hogbeat.com. But he's a guy that you can really trust out of the bullpen. And Dave Van Horn said that. And another guy that's really come on, and I'd like to ask you for your opinion, is Zach Morris, another left-handed pitcher that Arkansas has shown that they're starting to trust him. You saw him on Saturday against Texas A&M, came in after Hagan Smith, and he looked really good. Um, what do you think of the bullpen? Because you know you got Tigert, but it seems like Zebulon Vermillion, he's dropped off. And so what do you think of the bullpen? I mentioned those guys, but maybe just tell me your, where you're gauging it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they've got a really good bullpen. Uh, I think Evan Taylor's emergence has been huge. Uh, Zach Morris, uh, I think, has been even more vital because think back a couple of weeks ago, even when they were pitching really well against LSU and didn't give up a single run uh, all weekend, Dave Van Horn still said, we, we need another guy to step it up or another guy or two. Well, Zach Morris has, has stepped up to the plate and, and done really well. Uh, pitched, uh, I think he pitched in the UCA win, uh, did well in that, uh, did well against Texas A&M the week before against uh, whoever they played. I can't remember, LSU, all runs together at this point. But he, is, he has emerged and has been another guy. And the fact that he's another left-handed pitcher I think is, is huge because really it was just Evan Taylor. I mean, you had Hagen Smith as a starter, but then it was just Evan Taylor and no one else had really kind of emerged. You know, you thought maybe Nick Griffin could be that guy. Uh, he's still coming back from Tommy John, kind of inconsistent. Maybe he's that guy down the road like next year, but you needed a guy for this year. And it seems like Zach Morris could be that guy. And maybe he's a guy that you could extend out and, you know, have him throw three or four innings if, you know, if, if uh, Hagen Smith gets knocked out after three or if Jackson Wiggins can't make it through one, you're going to need some guys that you can stretch out. And uh, it seems like he might be that guy uh, kind of stepping into that role. I'd like to get back to the bats, though, because that's that's what people were talking about. That's what people are worried about right now. And so I thought it was interesting. Dave Van Horn was asked, how has the weather affected the way that you guys play? It seems like it's been windy a lot. Home runs are down, stuff like that. And he said, yeah, I mean, he, I believe he said that um, he thinks at least 15 home runs were knocked down by the wind uh, this season so far. But he said, it's really no excuse. You got you got to you got to deal with it. And so um, I'm curious what you think of that, kind of what you took away from that and what you've been seeing from from the Arkansas lineup. I mean, you, we talked about it earlier, but we know that it's down. And do you think that weather has really been that big of a a thing that's affected the lineup or do you think it's just they're just not hitting the ball very well right now I do think the wind has been a factor uh, however as Dave Van, Dave Van Horn said you know line drives are line drives regardless of the weather I mean that's that's what you got to be trying to do and he said you know doubles will eventually turn into home runs and I just feel like that that they maybe haven't been trying to go for that as much and even when they did get the wind they couldn't really take advantage of it. That Florida series comes to mind. Like that wind was blowing out all weekend and they couldn't take advantage of it. Even they think in AM, the wind was, you know, in their favor and they weren't able to take advantage of it. Um, it's just been very weird. I, I just something is off with this lineup, especially considering before the year. I think I even said on this podcast that I thought this was going to be a historic often offensive lineup and it just hasn't come to, to fruition yet. And so uh, I'm sure weather has something to do with it. You know, the weather, it, the wind is always blowing in from right at, at Baumwalker Stadium, it feels like, even with that new building. Uh, so it, it sucks, you know, it, you know, that you can't have those big home run numbers, but you'd like to think they would, have, they would adjust and start hitting line drives, which to me, that's, that's the key to, to making a deep run in Omaha because once you get to TD Ameritrade in Omaha, it's hard to get a ball out of there. I mean, you don't see a ton of home runs flying out of TD Ameritrade. You need to be able to hit line drives, manufacture runs, and they've done that some, but they haven't gotten those timely hits, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, their batting average runner's scoring position is like 227 in SEC play, and that's just – it's not going to cut it. And you need to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when you get them, especially if you get if you are lucky enough to get it deep into the postseason and into Omaha because those are also 
really, really good teams with really good pitching, you got to be able to score when you have the chance. I'm curious what you think as far as like a historical perspective goes, comparing this team to maybe the 2018 team, the 2015 team, where there were times during the regular season that they did not look that great. And this team, we've I, they're 32 and nine, so it's hard to say that they don't look that great, but they've had some times where um, they, they've had times where they haven't hit the ball enough where people are complaining. Is that people being spoiled from last year? Maybe a little bit, but also um, you scored two runs against UCA in a midweek game. That's it's UCA. You scored 21 against them last time. So I'm curious from a historical perspective, you covered those teams. What do you think is the, maybe some similarities between this team and those teams? And do you think that it's a good thing that, the slumps for the lineup are happening now and uh, throughout the middle part of the season rather than later on. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a couple of times now the, the bats just completely fail them in the worst possible time. I mean, think back to 2018. Yeah. The drop pop-up happened. I mean, it, it happened, but they didn't score a single run in game three of the, the college world series finals against Oregon state against the guy that had thrown like, you know, 200 pitches or something crazy. Um, in 2019, I think they lost their first game to Florida State, one to nothing. Again, the bats just completely disappeared. This past year, arguably the best team Arkansas's ever had, fails them in the in the super regional against NC State. They just can't score uh, in those those last couple of games after scoring 20 something in the first game. Uh, so it, there is a precedent of the, the bats just failing them at the worst possible time. So that's why I'm like, well, maybe they can you know, get hot at the right time and make a run uh, into the, into the college world series or whatever. Um, the, the, the two runs against UCA against in the midweek, I'm not really, I almost kind of throw that out because that's, that's what happens at Dickie Stevens park. If you go back and look at these scores, I mean, they won three, nothing it's Mississippi Valley or something. Alcorn state Grambling has been close games. I mean, they did beat Grambling like 17 to three in 2019, but other than that game, They've been tight, low-scoring games against miserable opponents. And that's no offense to UCA. That's what that was on Tuesday is a not very good team. I mean, that pitcher that went seven-plus innings had an ERA over 10 before that game. So uh, that it was it was kind of to be expected. I mean, heck, go back and read my preseason predictions. I picked Arkansas to lose that game, and they just about did. Uh, you don't want to brag about that too much, but I almost nailed that prediction. And so – that I throw out of the out, out out the window. The other things, you know, the not being able to score against Texas A&M the first two games was disappointing. Uh, having long stretches of not being able to scratch runs across was disappointing. But I think at some point you also got to say that's baseball. Um, there, there's go. It, it's a hard game. There's a reason a really good hitter only hits 300, uh, only successful three out of ten times. So I, I'm not quite ready to say it's you know a super big concern. They've, they've been good enough to be a top five team in the rankings, but I think Arkansas fans don't really care about top five in the rankings. They want to be the last team spent standing in Omaha. Is this team good enough to do that? I don't know. Are they capable of it? I still think so. I think the potential is still there. We just haven't seen it all uh, come together yet. All right. Well, this weekend they got Ole Miss coming to town, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, first pitch on Friday, 630 7 p.m. on Saturday, noon on Sunday. And uh, the Saturday game is going to be on ESPN2. The Sunday game is going to be on ESPN. So that's great news for you, Hutch. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just nice that they're finally on uh, real TV. Of course, doesn't matter for me. I'll be at the ballpark. Uh, but it is good that they, they finally are getting some national television considering they were like tied with Missouri for the fewest games on actual, you know, actual television. Kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, good, good to see that they're going to be on ESPN. I think it's the only college baseball game that's going to be on ESPN during the regular season. So that's kind of a a cool feather in your cap. Yeah, that's interesting. I I thought that was interesting, especially that it's Arkansas Ole Miss. I mean, I feel like there's been other big time games. I mean, Vanderbilt's coming to town in a couple weekends, but either way it's happening. So, um, but that's, what's going on this weekend. And then uh, we will talk to you guys next Thursday or next Friday. On Thursday, next Friday, on the Hogbeat Hour.